Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former NCAA student athlete and co-host. Brian Gam, two-hand monster flush off the inbound. Brian Gam slam jam. Subscribe to us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at the Final Score Thirty Five and TikTok at AG Spartan Fan 35. Oh, and one more note before we get started. I'd like to apologize to anyone I've not offended yet. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. Welcome into the 138th edition of the TFS Pod. Week one is almost in the books here. Um, we got one more game tonight that's going to happen in about 20 minutes. It'll be on when we're uh, recording here. Um, but all in all, uh, it's good to have college football back in full swing. And then NFL starts on Thursday night. Our Detroit Lions take on the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. It'll be a great measuring stick for them. And I'll discuss them a little later in this podcast. Um, yeah, lots to talk about here go over week one and, and all that good stuff and preview next week and then uh, some other fun stuff. So we'll start as usual with the podium and I will go first. So all these Michigan guys, you know, free Harbaugh t-shirts, free Jim. They're wearing these shirts. Uh, who, who's wearing them? McCarthy, Corum, and there are a few others I don't even remember who. But this, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. You were sus- your coach is suspended by the NCAA, then it was taken away, whatever, because they're going to do more in air quotations, which won't ever happen. But your AD suspends them three games so you don't look like the bad guys, um, which was less than the NCAA suspension, but whatever. Um, and they're acting like he's dead on the broadcast. Apparently, they're saying, like, Harbaugh, oh, they miss him. He will be so missed. All acting like he died. I mean, this is ridiculous. I think Michigan State, this is, Riley had this idea, it's a great idea. She wears some free Kari Crump t-shirts um, to, to go along with the Harbaugh thing. We should wear those when we play Michigan, that would be good. Uh, give them a taste of their own medicine. But seriously, these guys wearing these t-shirts, stupidest thing I've ever heard. They act like it's some, some hoax. Um, he didn't do anything wrong. You lied, Jim. You cheated. Um, screw you. Screw your whole program and your cocky BS nonsense that I can't deal with. Um, so so sick and tired of them. It's ridiculous. That fits right well into this a segue into my podium, which I, I'm not going to promise to do this every week, but... For those who are a little bit older like me, in honor of the late, great George Carlin, people I can do without, he, at least a couple times in comedy specials that I saw, uh, had some pretty hilarious takes on that. So as I was watching and just kind of noting things during college football from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and now into today, um, I took some notes of some people in college football I can do without. Ryan's podium notwithstanding, because that's an obvious all the time people I can do without. So without further ado, people I can do without. Guys who wear their football pants like biker shorts and sans knee pads. Number one for Florida, I'm especially talking about you. You look ridiculous. Coaches who are so dumb, they get a penalty for having two guys on offense or defense on the field at the same time with the same number. There's a reason why 
duplicate numbers on the roster are always an offensive and a defensive player. I think this was in maybe the Minnesota-Nebraska game I saw that. Announcers who are masters at stating the obvious and trying to sell us that they're smart. Joel Klatt is among the worst. Quote, I wonder if, as Colorado drives late and can't stop TCU all game long, they might be more methodical to take more time off the clock. Uh, you think so, Joel? This one is the Jim Gam You're a Dick Award Memorial Award. My dad hated this. People who wear the number zero, or if we're going to talk about basketball too, double zero. Hate it. It's dumb. Hate it. Players with pacifier big mouth guards that never put them in. And then writhe on the ground in pain when they get popped in the face. Kickers and punters who wear lineman numbers or numbers over 19 in general. And while we're at it, Ohio State's backup quarterback is number 33. (laughs) Athletes not out or standing for the anthem. Screw you. Fox Sports and their epic hard-on for Deion Sanders, warranted or not. And while we're at it, all the networks. The games are faster, but TV is longer than ever before. And I put it on the list, so I'll say it again. Michigan athletes and their free hardball. What a joke. If Michigan State wore free crump or any of the players from last year incident, that would cause World War III. All right. People I can do without my podium for today. Watching around college football. Gross. Like, when when did we just get so full of ourselves and so just off base with things? I, I, I just can't even remember. All right, let's throw the flag this week. Ryan and I, were, we always kind of banter this back and forth to see if somebody's got a good one. I saw this one first. I kind of saw it as a video on TikTok from um, one of the, the accused's brother who talked about it, and then I saw it on um, golf.com today. So LPGA Q School. Apparently there was a match. Um, you know, you had to, you know, you had to get to a certain number to qualify, right? Like, and there was a cut line, so it's a, you know, so many players make it in. And this girl was was doing well right around the cut line, and her opponents who were not faring quite as well and were a little bit behind and maybe needed her to fall off so that they could also qualify, decided to cook up an accusation that she was marking her ball improperly, meaning that she was moving her ball um, into an advantageous place a la Patrick Reed um, has been accused of doing in the tournament. So she told her playing partner this and said, hey, we need to keep an eye on whatever the girl's name was. And they're like, okay, fine, whatever, we'll watch it. Watched it, told a rules official. The girl didn't know anything about what the rules official was there for. At some point in time, might have been like the 16th hole or so, this girl who decided to pay more attention to her opponent than herself calls a two-stroke penalty on her, lets the official no, but does not let the girl know. Okay, so you're playing, you're you're qualifying, you're competing against each other and a lot of other people to qualify for your future. And you don't even bother to tell the person you're playing with that you're calling a penalty on them. She didn't even know that she was being asked to watch how she was marking her ball, as far as I know. Comes down to the 18th hole. This girl, again, has no clue and has to make a five-footer what ends up to be able to qualify in the number. She makes it, fortunately. And then when they're in the scorer's tent, the accuser ends up signing an incorrect scorecard and gets DQ'd herself for signing an incorrect scorecard. Just desserts, honey. Pay attention to your own stuff. And if you're legit going to say that you think that somebody is cheating, uh, which is a 
pretty big thing to say that somebody's cheating. You better let them know that you're going to do it. That's called sportsmanship. I hope you never qualify for the LPGA Tour. I hope you don't get a job. I hope you wallow in your own self-pity forever. That's a good one. All right. Four downs. Let's do this thing. Let's review uh, week one, uh, particularly Big Ten. Uh, start with Thursday night, an absolute just snoozer of a game. Pillow fight is what uh, I yeah, put. It was Minnesota gross. It was, gross. it was terrible football. I mean, hard. no one could move the ball. Maybe the defenses are great. I don't know. I mean, it's just boring. Both teams are not good. Nebraska finds a way once again to just choke it away with stupid turnovers and two and fourteen now in the last two plus years in games decided by one score less. They have to be cursed, right? I mean, this is this is getting ridiculous. My favorite meme that you showed me this week was the Scooby Doo meme where they unmask and Matt Rule was really um, Scott Frost, Frost. right? Like, yeah, defense. Look, Minnesota's defense. I previewed. I previewed both of those teams, and I said both of the defenses would be pretty good. Their defenses were good. Minnesota's biggest question mark was. Getting after the pass rusher, they got some sacks. They have a really, really good secondary. Yeah, the secondary is um, good. Sims is a playmaker for Nebraska, he but he's run, a turnover he machine, throw. right? Like he's he's just like old boy. What's his name? That transfer Martinez. Martinez. I mean, yeah. that, and then Ethan Kalikminez or whatever his name is for Minnesota is not much better. I no, mean, the big Greek. I mean, they're just it, they're not very good. The the, the the one thing was the catch that Minnesota had. Uh, to, yeah, that was, was that, a hell of a Was catch. that to tie the game? Yeah, to yeah, tie the game. That, that was, was phenomenal. That was great. If you haven't seen it, do yourself look at a favor. Look it up. Minnesota, Nebraska, towards the end of the game, catch or whatever. Just look it up on TikTok. Look it up on YouTube, whatever. I mean, it was it was phenomenal, his wherewithal and his position in the field to be able to pull this catch off. Yeah, that, I mean, that was that was awesome. That was an awesome catch. And Minnesota does have some good receivers. Crooms from Western's pretty good. I got some decent backs. I don't have a quarterback to get it to. Uh, Jesus, not not a great. But hey, it's a win for you know for Minnesota. It's a win in conference. Now they get to go out of conference for a few games around. They might even play North Carolina this week or next week. I think it's in two weeks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, big win for Minnesota. One and zero in the Big Ten West. So good for them. Yeah, they play Eastern Michigan this uh, week. So. We can go. We'll, we'll do Michigan State last. Uh, Michigan. Uh, did not cover against East Carolina like we thought they would. I have no idea what happened. I, I know McCarthy was like 18 for 20, but... No, he was 27. He was like 27 oh. for tw- 27 for 30. Or I mean, he was high completion they're playing percentage. ECU. Their run game was bad, though, is what I heard. They only had like 63 yards running. I don't know. It was on the cock, and I wasn't going to pay for it to go watch... No, I don't you know, care about that. ...an app to watch Michigan play with their free Harbaugh shirts. How about Iowa? First opening drive touchdown pass. First opening drive of the season touchdown pass, I think. Or maybe in general. <laughs> Since 1991. Put it in context, I was a freshman at Michigan State in 1991. Well, and they still didn't score their 25 points yeah, needed like for we talked about last week. Yep. Yep. And they didn't cover like we thought they wouldn't. Uh, it doesn't matter. Like, it's Iowa. They have always are going to have a great defense, good offensive line, but they just can't score the ball. Nope. And they, they scored early, crazy. and people were like, yes, we're going to score, and then they still didn't Yeah, score, they still so. hardly could. Well, let's um, go out of the Big Ten just for a second. You probably have this on your list, but TCU, uh, Colorado. Like, all right, I was one who, TCU yeah. is favored by 20 and a half, and I'm like, no way. Colorado's got 80 transfers on their team. I really didn't know much about them. Uh, apparently, they have a really good freshman running back who was a stud. This kid who, you know, 
shock the world by going to Jackson State instead of Florida State is yeah. the real deal. Played 130 Hunter's snaps. Real deal. Had a pick, had like eight catches. I mean, that dude's real. And Sanders' son is a hell of a quarterback. He's a little small at 5'10", but he had 510 yards passing. Yeah, I mean, he was impressive. I mean, I don't need another, you know, I don't, it's not about Dion, which is all the Fox promos for like Big Noon this week. It's all about Dion. No, it's about the kids at Colorado. And I, I think because I've met Dion once or twice before, I think he would tell you it's not about me, but he's also cocky enough to say a little bit of it is about him. That's the only problem that I have with it. I mean, it was pretty remarkable because TCU was national runner-up last year, albeit their defense wasn't very good last year, and they certainly still aren't very good this year. Um, I think they were like 130th in the nation last year in, in plays over 20 yards allowed, and they did that a lot the other day too. Um, yeah, Travis Hunter, he was amazing. And like playing every snap on the offensive and defensive side of the ball in that heat in Texas – that's pretty remarkable. That's that's like primetime junior right there. I mean, that's a Deion yeah. Sanders thing. Yeah, I mean, that was that was impressive by Colorado. I mean, that game was like a video game, back, forth, back, forth, score, score. Whoever got the ball last you thought was going to win, and Colorado did get the ball last. They won, but they finally stopped TCU. Um, that was huge for Colorado. Speaking um, of video game, Purdue-Fresno. Oh Purdue God. paid Fresno State $1.35 million to come play a nooner a West Coast team to play a nooner in Indiana. Um, and Purdue was pretty impressive on offense, honestly, but their defense playing under first-year head coach and defensive guru Ryan Walters left a lot to be desired. They could not stop Fresno's pass game in particular. Um, and I'll tell you the difference was they didn't get a touchdown from the two, and I think it was either later in the third quarter or early fourth quarter, and that ended up being the difference um, in a four-point game. So... Um, you know, Purdue, we knew was going to be a bit of a work in progress, but I will say I picked them in my previews to, to beat Fresno. I picked them, I think last week to beat Fresno. I certainly picked them in my bets to beat Fresno and they could not stop Fresno. So that was interesting. And back to Michigan, I wanted to say too, and no one, the cover good for ECU calling a timeout to, to kick the field goal at the end. A, it's practice in case it's a game situation and B, it screwed Michigan's shutout. So yeah, I, I was a big fan of that. That was funny. Um, Here's a couple of yuck and grosses for you, Wisconsin and Ohio State. Yeah, Wisconsin, they talk, talk about the air raid. They only had 180 yards passing. And they had like 200 and almost 300 yards rushing between Malusi and Allen. That's crazy. I mean, so like I said, they would not completely abandon the air raid with those two backs, and they didn't. And they were, I mean, 28 and a half points I knew was a lot to cover against Buffalo, and it was because they didn't cover. They're, like most Big Ten teams this weekend, Michigan State, Penn State, and I think Rutgers were the only teams that actually covered this weekend. Yeah, there's only three. Um, what else we got? Uh, yeah, Ohio State did not look good. McCord is suspect. They have a good yeah. run game. A lot of it has to do with their defense. line. Their offensive line was the I, other big listen, question mark. Ford just didn't – he doesn't do anything. And their offensive line is is not very good. Um, he's got weapons galore, but if the line can't block, yeah, that's going to be a problem for Ohio State. Indiana, their defense is fine. Indiana is a train wreck, though. Good Indiana's God. offense is They're gross. awful. Their defense is solid. Came they're, out running the triple option. Yeah, they're – I mean, what? I, they, they're that bad that they have to run the triple option. I yeah, mean, they'll look they had to trick it up to, to be able to do something. How about um, soon-to-be Big Ten newcomer Washington? Started kind of oh, eh, against Boise. Penix is so good. 
And they just freaking rolled Boise. And speaking of rolling, another Big Ten newcomer, Oregon, where they put up a 81, 81 burger. Yeah. <laughs> 81 points. Scored on every possession of the game. It's crazy. That's crazy. Maryland, not much to talk about there. Rolled Towson. Penn State, impressive. Um, yeah, Alara is, is good. He's good. He's, he's really good. He's solid. They need a kicker. They missed two field goals in the first half. Maybe they settled in the second half. I didn't watch as much of it. Um, yeah, I know that there was a battle in camp, but hey, in a in a division as tough as the East, you're gonna you're gonna have to win some close games, maybe against Ohio State or against Michigan, and you're gonna need a kicker to do that. So that's a that's something to watch out for Penn State fans, I would say for sure. But Alara, he's good. He's he's really good. He's gonna be he's better than McCord. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. So he's, a, um, he's a really good quarterback, without a doubt. Illinois hardly beats Toledo. Yeah, and a pretty, no. pretty Last remarkable field goal. Yeah, and a fourth down play that was pretty remarkable. <laughs> Rutgers wins the My Pillow 2.0 Bowl against Northwestern, seventeen nothing in the first quarter, and then it ended up being seven seven the rest of the way. Right, it was twenty four seven. Yeah, is that right? Just two that? awful teams. Yeah, just, going at it. I, I'd be curious what the ratings were on that on CBS. Probably pretty low. Yeah, uh, I guess outside of the Big Ten, other games that were good. U.S. Uh, South Carolina, UNC, Drake May is the real deal. We North Carolina's that. defense looked a lot better. Yeah, um, there weren't a lot of other really great games. Well, right Florida now. State. I mean, that was... Thrashed uh, LSU. Um, Keon Coleman is him. Um, three touchdowns. But here's the thing. Ryan and I. Ryan pointed out first. He likes Florida State because he doesn't have to block. They don't expect him to block. And I'm not saying that's the reason he transferred that, that Coach no, Hawkins. it was money. That would, it was money. It was money. But Coach Hawkins expects his receivers to block. And he wasn't doing any bit no, of blocking he, in that game for Florida he's State. He's a stud. But though. you get him the ball and he catches the ball, so... Yeah, he's really he's gonna good. have to block if he wants to make make buck in the league. Though. He's That's a the he's a good player. Florida State's impressive. They're athletic and fast, um, big, physical. Here's another fun stat of the weekend: Pac-12, which is now the Pac-2, because Oregon State and Washington State are claiming they're gonna stay in the Pac-2 yep. after this year. Ridiculous! Because newsflash: Cal, Stanford, and SMU officially to the ACC. So we're officially kind of a four big league. Uh, picture right now. But anyway, the Pac-12 as it stands today, which is again going to be two next year, was 12-0. and 0. Actually, they're 13-0 technically. For the first time since 1932. Um, the first time since 1932 that the whole league won their opener. And back then it would have been the Pac-8. So um, the rest of the Power Fives had at least two losses each. The Big Ten was 7-1 and one out of conference. And then of course they had three league games. So you're going to get some losses that way. But um, yeah, pretty Pretty remarkable uh, weekend, opening weekend by the Pac-12, um, soon to be on its deathbed. Yep. Anything else from week week one? Uh, yeah, let's talk Michigan State here. Oh, yeah. um, first half was same old, same old. You know, move the ball a little bit. It was nerve wracking. Don't. Then you stall out. Stupid play calls. You know, it was gonna be bad. First drive, you get to fourth and short, and then you run this. Slow developing run play out of the shotgun, lose a yard. It's like it's a carbon copy of last year. Like I don't get why are we doing? Get this? under center and push. Sneak the damn ball. Put your big number ninety two former kicker Evan Morris in. You know, is a tight end. Yeah, now. right behind. He's a blocking him. tight end. Put him behind and just push Noah Kim forward for a yard. That's that doesn't take much because the, the Michigan State's offensive line was actually pretty decent. 
um, at the point of attack on those. And, of course, you got numbers. Central Michigan's got more numbers. Or later in the game they ran, maybe it was on third and one, but they ran like a rollout thing that totally caught Central by surprise. And it was an easy big game for first down. So, like, that was very concerning. I mean, I get it. First game jitters. Kim was kind of all over the place. He didn't get helped out when he was on target in the first half. Didn't get helped out because he had guys even like Mosley, who never dropped passes, dropped passes. Carr dropped like four passes. And then, by the way, makes an incredible catch later in the game for a touchdown. So I don't just make the hard catches, right? Like make the easy catches too. Um, You know, that first half had me extremely nervous. That drive to end the half was pretty impressive. That was impressive though. When Kim can get out and he can get outside and he can wing it, that dude, he is – you know, we saw very limited, right? Like Hauser, I'm sure, was nervous too, and he like went backwards. He, he went backwards and threw a bad, inc- almost interception, just in his three plays that he got. You know, but I can see why Kim has the job. Uh, I, I think long term, obviously, Hauser is probably the decision is going to be the guy, and I hope that he gets some run against Richmond. To be honest, to, to give him a fair shake. You know, you can't really judge him just on those three plays because Kim started shakily too, but. Man, I'll, I'll tell you, the play that defined it for me and Kim's ability for me, it was an incompletion. And that was the last play of the first half. You might want to call it a Hail Mary. Michigan State was at the 50, so he's launching from about his own 45. And he threw an absolute laser off the face mask of Montroy Foster. That, like, if he probably had a little bit more air under it, maybe Foster could have caught it for a touchdown yeah, there. Like, dark. I mean, I've never seen a throw... In, at the college level, 55, 60 yards like that, that was on that much of a rope. Like, I'm expecting a Kirk Cousins, like, float or Hail Mary, where you try to tip it around a little bit. He literally threw an absolute laser beam of a pass, and that told me right there, minus, like, look, he threw some other nice plays on that touchdown drive, too. Like you said, Ryan, late in the first half, Glover made some really nice catches on a couple of those, too. So his receivers helped him out, but... Like he's he's got the he's got arm. potential. He, I, he does. He's, he's got to be able to make the intermediate throws. He's got to be able to hit the middle. Michigan State's got to use the tight end across the middle more. Carr's got to hang onto the ball because he could. He's super athletic and he's big. He's a good threat, but like you got to make the plays. Uh, no concerns about the run game. I mean, Carter almost breaks it like Walker style in the very first play of the game. He had over 100 yards rushing. He's, he's a real deal. Berger really good out of the backfield catching. I think he had four catches. He had a touchdown run. That was a really shifty runner. Maybe that was a – yeah, that was a run. Um, so I, I feel good about that. You know, one-two punch there. I thought the line kept Kim pretty clean. I, I'm telling you, who's terrible is J.D. Duplain. You're in your fifth year of yeah. college and you're getting blown off the ball by Central But in Michigan. general, I thought the line played a lot of guys. Yeah, it was fun. And was I thought right. that they protected Kim pretty well. Against Central Michigan, granted, but still. Um, you still have a job to do, and they did good. it. Our receivers are in Very promising. Shape. Henry is uh, going to be a great return man. He'll return a punt De- or a kickoff this year. Aggressive. Aside from the one drive, the defense, I had, I had no complaints about. They were aggressive, uh, didn't really miss a lot of tackles. A lot of depth in the front seven, which yeah, is nice. Which is fine. The special teams were pretty good. Um, made a 47-yard field a goal. decently long field goal. We love to see that. Pretty good punting game. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, the penalties are an issue. Um yeah, I mean, on the John one drive, Smith, two, two face masks kept that drive going, and then a total miscommunication on the touchdown that CMU had. So, But, you know, hey, Michigan State came out, woke up, answered the bell in the second half, and dominated like they yep. should have, and ultimately covered the spread. So, right, you, 
You take it for what it's worth. There's plenty on film to see that was good. There's plenty on film to see that needs to be improved. And, you know, some of it you're going to chalk up to first game jitters. I want to see less of the common first game mistakes. Hopefully this week against Richmond. Uh, I hope we can see a little bit more Kate Hauser. I think Michigan State will be just fine with, you know, its young receiving core. I think between, you know, you got Foster and Mosley are the vets, but you got Glover who played just in one game last year. So in essence, he's a freshman. I mean, he was electric. Uh, Henry made that phenomenal one-handed catch. He's going to be great in the return game. Uh, Alante Brown, the, interesting because he would have been a senior that, or still could be a senior that contributes, but gets absolutely destroyed on a block on the opening kickoff, carted off the field, later in. later goes in, but then the second half he's in street clothes. So like I'm not really sure what that's, was going on there. It yeah, seems like weird. a little iffy by the MSU staff. But I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Who knows about that, but... Um, definitely would like to see Hauser get some run this week. You know, Washington's going to be the real deal. Um, but, you know, at least through week one, and of course Central Michigan's not, Bert Emanuel is a really elusive quarterback, but he's a horrible thrower. So I, I, it still remains a little bit to be seen. The secondary were thumpers, but can they really defend that well? We'll see when Penix comes to town. So, But in the meantime, you know, do what you're supposed to do. Take care of business, get the win, and move on. Right? Yeah, exactly. Lots to look, you know, be happy about and lots to improve on. So, good stuff. All, All right. right. Now a word from a Big Ten segment sponsor, or actually second down segment sponsor, Norris Sports Group. NSG is a boutique agency of experts with 30-plus years of experience in sports sponsorship, endorsement strategy, program assessment, contract negotiations, event activation, and post-campaign measurement. Visit NorrisSportsGroup.com to learn more today. Answer the bell, baby. Yep, exactly. All right, week two preview, and we'll do some picks in here as well. Um, some We'll start, I guess, outside of the Big Ten. I think uh, Bama versus Texas next week. That's a, that's a big one. Um, going to Tuscaloosa, that's a... Top ten battle there. That'll Texas gave them a run last year. Yeah, that'll be fun. See, uh, see where both of those teams are at um, at this point in the season. Um, see what else we got next. You're picking that interesting. one. No, I, I, NC State Notre Dame. That's not a bad game. TC or I'm sorry, Ole Miss Tulane. Pretty fun. That's a decent game. Uh, Texas A&M Miami. Not bad. Um, let's see, uh, that's about it. Really, next week. Um, all right, let's do Big Ten. How did um, we do last week? Uh, we both went six and five. Six and five. All right, against you know a lot of them against the spread. That's not yeah. Horrible. I mean that's that's I mean it's tough with first game and all that stuff. So all right, Indiana, Indiana State. That's the first one. There's not even a spread on that because it's D two or FCS. Yeah, yeah. I made the a, Sycamores. I made a, a spread of my own of twenty. I don't even think Indiana can score twenty points, but. Oh, jeez. Are we going on the spread? I don't know if they can score 20 points yet or either. I'm saying they're going to cover it because I feel like they're def- they're going to score like 10 defensive touchdowns. I don't know. Indiana State, I feel like they've – maybe I'm thinking of hoops. Obviously, Larry Bird. But I I feel like they've been decent in FCS lately. I'm going to say Indiana State's going to cover that. I didn't see a thing from Indiana that says they can cover it. And Lucas got hurt, and he's their most electric right. player. He True. hurt his ankle, so I'm going to take Indiana State to cover That's that. That's Friday Night Lights, by the way. And Friday Night Lights again uh, this week. Illinois at Kansas. 
It'll be a fun one. Uh, I'm going with the Jayhawks. I like their quarterback, Jalen Daniels. He's a baller. Uh, Illinois did not look great the other day against Toledo. Their offense looked better than expected, but their defense was right. way further behind. Clearly, they missed those NFL guys. I think they'll get that short up, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my preseason pick, which was for Illinois to lose this game. It would not surprise me to see Illinois win. I think Altmaier uh, showed pretty well as a quarterback. Illinois has some pretty decent weapons on offense. Um, you know, Toledo's a good MAC team. They won the MAC last year. Uh, you know, so wouldn't have necessarily been a huge shock. I mean, still is MAC against Big Ten, but um, I think in this case, yeah, I, I got a, a tiebreaker being my preseason prognostication i'm going to go with kansas over illinois there all right ohio state youngstown state uh another game that does not have a spread i put it 31 for ohio state and ohio state will cover that they did not cover against indiana but they'll cover that penn state delaware also no spread the fighting tyler coopers uh 37 and a half penn state i think they easily cover it they might score a thousand points to try to get style points for the uh for the they're CIP. just going to pretend they're pre- preparing for Michigan because Delaware right, wears same those helmets. stupid winged helmets too. Same so yeah, I'll helmets. go with Penn State to cover that as well. Nebraska at Colorado. We thought that Colorado was going to be bad. Then they put together that performance this past weekend. Three-point spread. Colorado's the favorite. We're just going straight up here. I'm going with the Buffs. Uh, their offense is for real. I, I, Nebraska does have a good defense, but I think I think the Buffs will come down to earth a little bit. I think Nebraska's defense is way better than TCU's, but Nebraska also doesn't have near the offense that TCU did. So Colorado might not score as much, but Nebraska can't really score either. So I'm going to go with the Buffs in this one. Preseason, I picked. Or, Preseason picks, I picked Nebraska to win this game, yeah, but me too. I just have having seen what I've seen, which is okay. Nebraska's got a defense that can do the trick, but their offense is still eh, and they still don't know how to win close games. And what I saw yeah. from Colorado, I'm going Colorado. All right, uh, this would normally be a more intriguing, game, but both teams are down now. Purdue at Virginia Tech. Uh, obviously, Purdue lost this past weekend. Virginia Tech's eh, battle of the mids. I'm going Vatek, though, because it's at home. I think that that gives them an advantage in this one. Yeah, and I think, again, my (coughs) tiebreaker, I think I picked Purdue in this game and their preseason uh, prognostication. Uh, So I'm going to pick Purdue. I think Purdue played well enough to beat Fresno. Look, Fresno is is a non-Power 5, but they're a pretty good football team. Um, you know, they've got a really electric offense. I think Penn State's defense, we said, would be a little bit of work in progress. Their offense is maybe even a little bit ahead of pace. I don't know much about Vatek. It is a tougher place to play. I don't know what time the game is in Blacksburg, but I'm going to go with Purdue to win that game. All right, Michigan UNLV. Uh, 36.5 is the spread. UNLV covers. They lose by 35. 49-14. Yeah, I... You know, I don't know. I thought Michigan might be all about the style points. You know they're going to try to probably run the ball a little bit more this week because they really did not have any success against East Carolina with it. Um, but because they burned me on not covering the spread last week, I'm going to say the same. I think UNLV covers that spread. All right. The battle for the Cyhawk, Iowa State at Iowa. Uh, 
Iowa State's not very good. They had been the past couple years kind of come back down to earth. Uh, I think Iowa's like a three-point favorite. I'm going with the Hawkeyes in this one. Defense gets it done. Yeah, I think Iowa wins this game. Um, I don't think it'll be particularly high scoring, but I do think that they win this game. UTEP Northwestern. How about this one? UTEP is a favorite in this game. That's how bad Northwestern. I'm going with Northwestern the had 17 yards rushing the miners. yesterday. Yeah, I'm going with the Miners too. They really probably they lost. I think their Texas first game, Western. Right? Yeah, they yeah, lost their one first one. game. They're one one. And they should have probably won in week zero. So Mich- yeah, I'm going to go UTEP. As Michigan well. State versus Richmond. Also not a spread of this one, so I created it 24 and a half. Uh, I think Michigan State covers it. I think they win about you know 40. I'll say 41 to 14. Uh, pretty easy dub for Michigan State. Richmond's not a bad FCS team. I can see like a 38 to 10 game for Michigan State. Um, hopefully Hauser gets a little bit of a run. I yep. agree. Michigan State will cover that. Yeah. This is a fun game. Uh, Washington State versus Wisconsin up there in Pullman. Uh, Wisconsin's got to watch out because Washington State's they're they're well coached. They have a good quarterback in Cam Ward. You're going on the road up to the upper northwest. Pacific Northwest, yeah. Beat them last year in Madison, yeah, right? I'm going with the with the Cougars. I think they get it done. A little upset over the Badgers here, two years in a row. I think Wisconsin's going to be ready for it. Um, did we say what the spread was? or we're just, I just straight up, up, it's close. I'm going to go with Wisconsin to win that game on the road. Sun, Saturday night football, Charlotte versus Maryland. Uh, kind of interesting. I mean, there's not a whole lot of good games on the slate for the Big Ten this week, but yeah. kind of an interesting one that they picked. 24 for the and a half is the spread for Maryland. I think they cover it. Yeah, I think Mar- Charlotte's not very good. Maryland covers that, yeah. Uh, Minnesota versus Eastern Michigan. 17 is the spread here. Uh, I'm going to say Minnesota covers. I think you're going to get a few defensive touchdowns. I think it didn't Eastern Michigan beat them or come close to beating them. I know Eastern's beat like Someone Northwestern. Beat Bowling Purdue. Green beat them a few years back. I know that. Eastern won their first game, albeit against the FCS team. 17. I'm going to say Eastern's going to cover that. All right. I like it. I like it. Uh, then. Rutgers versus Temple. Uh, that's a, an interesting matchup. Fighting Elijah Warner. Yeah. It's at Rutgers. I'm with Rutgers here. I don't think Temple's great. Who Did Temple end up winning? The other day? I think so. Close. Yeah, I'll go with Rutgers just because it's at Rutgers, but it would not surprise me if Temple won. Chief, last one. Chiefs-Lions Thursday night football. Chiefs. I yeah, mean, I, I agree. They're the defending Super Bowl I champions, agree, celebrating the Super Bowl, getting their rings... You know, it's a tough environment. I, I think we'll, it'll be, like you said, it'll be a good litmus test for the Lions to see where they are versus what the top of the league is. Yep. Um, you know, and can they kind of hold their water or do they get blown out early? That'll be the interesting thing to me. Yeah, should be interesting. All right, that's uh, second down. All right, moving into third down, which we'll move, we're going to have the ad between third and fourth down. Uh, a little hodgepodge in mailbag. So I've got a couple things, um, Ryan. Well, let's do a couple golf things. Um, and then I've got some football questions actually from Mitch because he he listens to the podcast and he does his homework and he sends you questions yep, to talk sure about. So, all right, so first, let me get your thoughts on Luke Donald's captain's picks of Tommy Fleetwood, Justin Rose, Sepp Straka, Shane Lowry, Ludwig Aberg, and... The, the kind of the surprise one was Nikolai Hogard. Yeah, uh, well, Ludwig was is a freaking just turned pro in June, so that's a 
That's a very young team against a very really a young U.S. team. Yeah, it's, too, so. I, I like I like what what uh, Luke Donald did. Um, I think that it's going to be a really good Ryder Cup, a mix of some younger guys, some older guys, guys that have been there, guys that are new. Um, same with the U.S. I think it's going to be fun. Um, you know, I you like have some of your typical pick. guys missing because of live, like Stenson and he Sergio. Gonna, he was going to be the captain. And some Stenson of those guys, was. you know, like like a Sergio is a great. A renowned yeah, Ryder Poulter. Cup player, but you know, yeah, Poulter is another one. Um, but with those guys not in play, um, they went young, and I, you know, they've got some good young talent. They do, on the team. yeah, they do. Uh, it's gonna be a fun Ryder Cup. Sepp and, and Shane strike me as the two guys on the European team that I would most like to go have beers with. Yeah, Shane is a is a dog. Both he's of them, a, big fellas. Cool they look like they put it down. That's I for like sure. It. I like it. All right, with a shout-out to Arnie and Sandy, who we met yesterday at Pilgrim's Run. Nice old couple from uh, the western suburbs of Illinois. Um, should players be required to take a test to be able to play yes. at a regular golf course? Yes, like driver's training. There's a little bit of a boom lately, even in Grand Rapids, of par-3 courses, which I think are great because I think it's a great way to teach kids, and they're, they're a fun little break for guys that have been playing forever like me, but... Like, I truly think you need to build up more of those and put the beginners there until they know the rules, they know the etiquette, they know pace of play, and they know all of that type of stuff. So, Arnie brought that up. I completely agree with that. Yep. And shout out to our new listeners who we gave one of Mana's business cards to. So, the business cards came in handy. Um, this one more of a, a statement on golf. Thoughts and prayers with Gary Woodland as he oh, yeah, battles terrible. a brain tumor. That was just terrible. He kind of had an off season, and it turns out now we know why. So hopefully he uh, has a successful surgery and is on the mend and can get back on the course again. So that's kind of the golf hodgepodge. I've got Mitch's three questions. Do you have anything hodgepodge-wise, Ryan, otherwise? Uh, no, I don't. All right. This one's a li- I'll save this one for the, the third because it's going to lead into fourth down, but... Okay, so you're an NFL general manager tomorrow, and you get to pick one offensive player and one defensive player. Who are you going to go with, basically, to build your franchise? Uh, defensive, I'd probably go uh, Nick Bosa. Offense, i got to go with Mahomes. Have yeah, to do it. I, think, I think I'm going Bosa because pass rusher, and he's just, he's just a freak. And then I think I'm actually going to go Joe Burrow. I think Mahomes like is it. Mahomes is amazing, but Burrow, because he does a little bit less moving around in the pocket than Mahomes, I think he's he probably has a little bit longer shelf life. So I'm going to go with Burrow instead. Except for he gets hurt all the time too. He does get hurt too. <laughs> That's true. So maybe a Herbert instead. Um, should the NFL adopt the USFL and XFL as minor league systems similar to the G League or AAA baseball? Uh, I don't know. Um, I feel like like the the XFL is kind of like that. Maybe there's some guys that you know go to it, but I don't know. I mean, the, you know, there's like the the practice squad is kind of like that thing, but they obviously don't play in games unless they get called up. Yeah, for that for reason, I actually I like that idea. I I don't know that you need two. I don't know you need XFL and USFL. I mean, I'd say com- combine them so every team's got a minor league team. You know, I think the one drawback is that obviously those guys play in the spring slash summer as opposed to the fall. You're definitely not going to put them up against, you know, 
the NFL, like minor league baseball is obviously going at the same time as major league baseball. But I think that'd be a great way to kind of shift to practice, you know, practice squad guys and to kind of maintain a practice squad. It'd be a, a one good way to keep more guys on a roster. Good, good, you know, maybe way to develop some young talent that you like. Yeah. Um, and then maybe what you do is you keep some of those guys on your active practice roster or your, your, um, for the NFL season. Um, I, yeah, I think that's actually a really good idea rather than them kind of being complimentary or even competing to an extent. Like the Michigan Panthers could be the Detroit Lions affiliate, right? Like, I think it's a great idea. Match it up one to one. They don't have to be in the same city, obviously, but you know it's it's a good way to have a little bit more roster management. Um, I'm sure there's other things to it, but I think probably you could get a little bit more TV money out of it too if there was an NFL affiliation minus right. minus a guy who does really well that maybe ends up playing in the NFL one day. So, great question on that one, Mitch. The other question says, Ryan, you don't have any hodgepodge or a mailbag. And leading into your fourth down, which is the Lions preview, is what defines a successful season for the Lions? Um, how many wins? Do they get to the playoffs? Do they need a playoff win? What's 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 successful for you? Uh, I think it's to make the playoffs and win the NFC North. I think there's, that's the if – if you don't do that, something's wrong. Yeah, for me um, – I mean, I don't know how many wins it's going to take. Probably 10, maybe 11 to win the NFC North. Honestly, it's going to be a bit of a fight. Minnesota, obviously, is going to be a challenger. Nobody's talking about Minnesota, but Minnesota is going to be right up there too. Green Bay, who knows how love will do. But I think it's win the NFC North because the Lions have not won the division since 1991. I think it is, you know, therefore get into the playoffs, but I think it's actually win a playoff game because that's something they haven't done since the 90s either. Um, I think that's, it's not just for the Lions, yes, getting there and winning and having a winning record is a step. But if you're really going to raise the bar for expectations from where they were, you know, after having a really good finish to the season last year, I don't think your next step is just to to be happy getting to the playoffs. I think it's got to be a successful season is winning the NFC North because it's very gettable with no more Aaron Rodgers. The Bears are still kind of dog meat. The Vikings are going to be good. They're, they'll, you know, they had a great season last year. Don't forget, the Packers are still going to be decent. So if the Lions can win the North, and they can get in the playoffs and win a playoff game. Now, again, if they're like, and if they win the North, they wouldn't be the seventh seed either. So it's not like they'd have to to play a great team. Um, I, to me, that's the measuring stick. I, I think you've got to set high expectations. I think Dan Campbell will set high expectations. That's the only way to do it. Like just getting there can't be good enough for the Lions anymore. If they really want to get off the snide and they want to get to the Super Bowl and they finally someday want to win a championship for the first time since 1957, they have to have higher expectations for themselves. Yes, I agree. Um, all right, I've got nothing else. Do you have anything? Nope, not hodgepodge. hodgepodge. Nope. Do a quick ad. Watching uh, Duke is uh, driving on Clemson right now and about to score. A little update. All right, a word from our presenting sponsor, Team Anders Realty, will help you find the home that best fits your needs and make the process simple and fun along the way. The Anders have served thousands of clients over 30-plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. All right, the Lions preview. You guys have been wanting this one. Keep it brief, though. Um, not a ton to talk about. So high, highest expectations probably in my lifetime, uh, probably the most complete roster in my lifetime. 
um, competent owner. Co- I mean, competent um, uh, management. Management, competent coaches, competent players, um, swagger, belief. Um, all the all of that leads to where we are now, and the Lions having these expectations um, for really the first time in a long time. Um, you know, they've had you know Stafford and Calvin; those teams, you know, oh, they're good, whatever. Could never get over the hump because they never had an offensive line, they never had a good defense, poor coaching, whatever. Um, the Lions have drafted well under Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. They've developed well. They've made some good free agent pickups. They've made some good UDFA pickups. Um, have the Lions in the hunt? Um, one of the most, one of the favorites, uh, you know, to even make the Super Bowl um, out of the NFC, which is pretty freaking ridiculous. Um, and and Thursday, it all it all starts. Um, the the journey see where they're really at it's a great measuring stick like we talked about um but yeah I, i'm super excited about this team i think campbell's one of the best motivating coaches in, in the in the league um i think he's good. ben johnson's probably one of the best offensive coordinators in the league ag's a really good defensive coordinator um and the lines are young bought in ready to roll you know really good receiving core Amon Ra's a beast Sucks that J Mo's out six games or whatever, and he struggled in preseason with injuries and drop passes or whatever. Um, but you know what? I think the Lions are going to be solid there. They, they probably have one of the top three or four offensive lines in the league, which is awesome to see. Pretty young as well. Penny Sewell um, is awesome. Uh, he's younger than me, and he's already his third year in the league. He's a freaking beast. Love him. Uh, Tight end set, you know, Brock Wright's really good. James Mitchell was good last year. Then you bring in Laporta. Uh, he's a stud. Would would love to see him take off and, and be a good blocker and pass catcher for the Lions. Running back, you got Montgomery now. Jameer Gibbs is a stud. He's going to pl- probably put a little receiver as well. He's a Alvin Kamara type, which we love. And then Jared Goff, obviously, um, Improved. Uh, ben Johnson puts him in good positions, um, so we will see uh, if he can do that again. If, if golf stays healthy and takes care of the ball, Lions offense should hum um, and be a top ten offense in the league again, um, and that'll lead to most likely a playoff spot. Defense. They've also improved. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson. We don't like him because he's a, didn't like him because he's a Michigan guy. He's really freaking good. I mean. He works his ass off. He's annoying sometimes, but he's really good. Ali McNeil's a stud. Levi's back on Zeruki. He was hurt all last year. Former second-round pick. Uh, hopefully he can get things going and be good. Houston, love him. Uh, then he bring in Jack Campbell as a as a first-round pick this past season as a linebacker. He's a stud. He's probably going to play a good amount. Then he bring in... You know, Cam Sutton from the Steelers, really good corner spot. Your number one, Emmanuel Mosley, is coming off his injury. He got activated off the pup list. He's ready to roll. Um, and then you got Brian Branch. He's a rookie. Uh, he's probably going to be the starting nickel for the Lions. He's really freaking good. Then C.J. Gardner-Johnson, bring him from the Eagles. He brings swagger. He's a cocky, arrogant SOB, but he can play. Led the NFL in picks last year. Uh, he's really, really good. Um, and then you got Kirby Joseph, who is a ball. The Lions probably have two of the best ball hawking safeties in the NFL. Uh, it's hard. It's weird to say that, uh, but Kirby's a stud. Uh, second year in the league now. Um, 
Expected big things. Special teams are an issue. Not punting. Jack Fox is the pun god. Whatever. He's fine. Kicking game's terrible. Riley Patterson. This, this is where I'm scared the Lions are to lose a close game or two because of bad kicking. Riley Patterson, two years ago, was decent for the Lions. They got rid of him. He was good for the Jaguars and was shaky uh, in preseason. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but all in all, super excited for this Lions team um, and what they have going. I mean, their schedule's tough, but yeah, my, my prediction is 10 and 7. That wins the NFC North, gets you a home playoff game. Um, maybe you win one. That'd be awesome. For the city of Detroit to get a home playoff game and win one, I mean, I can't even imagine that. Uh, city deserves it. It's been a long time coming, uh, especially for the Lions, our, as fans that have suffered. For since Bobby Lane in the fifties, I mean, this is it's time. Now is our time. Restore the roar. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's more hype around the Lions than. Yeah, there's always optimism, but there's actual hype around the Lions this year. I think uh, you know Ryan hit the nail on the head. I think they've got probably one of their more complete rosters in a long time. I mean, even dating back to when they were good in the early nineties and 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 had some decent teams with like Barry Sanders, Herman Moore. You know, I mean, their quarterback was like Scott Mitchell. What they weren't that great all the way around uh, back then. Had a decent offensive line, had a pretty decent defense, and you know, Chris Spielman, etc. Um, you know, the Lions finally built around a good offensive line and a good defensive line, and then built back, and that's what you need to do. Um, I think they could be pretty electric on offense if Goff is is just you know if he can keep playing how he played towards the end of last year. He doesn't have to make. Burrow or Mahomes no. or Herbert or even Tua or Allen or you know type of plays he really he not a knock on Kirk Cousins one of my favorite people on the face of the planet he's got to be like him like he can make the throws um, yeah. and he just you know not game manager but like he doesn't have to be a game breaker either just like don't make mistakes use your talent that's around you and you know injuries are always the you know, kind of the big question mark for teams because, you know, if a guy goes down with an ACL or goes down with an Achilles and you didn't expect it and your depth takes a hit, that this is where having a minor league like the USFL in a more active practice squad could probably be helpful. Um, you know, but it is what it is. I think, you know, there's a good opportunity for the Lions, uh, you know, really probably should minimally split with, split with Minnesota, probably sweep the Bears, probably sweep Green Bay. That wins the division for sure. 11-6 and six is not out of the um, prospects, I think, for me, but I could see 10-7 and seven and win the division, get that home playoff game, get a home playoff, get a win in the playoffs. You know, it's probably like the four seed or whatever, play the five seed. Um, you know, I, I think that would be a lot to build on. You know, then obviously you're in a year out, contracts change and things like that. But I feel probably more confident than I have in a long time with the Lions management structure, as yep. Ryan said, you know, to make good decisions and to evaluate talent well um, and to use their draft picks well. So, you know, this is it's an important year. I mean, if they fall flat, it's going to be same old Lions and all the hype that has the Lions playing a couple times on Mondays, a couple times on Thursdays. Yeah, finally getting prime time. <clears throat> that's going to go away. And everything you earned is going to be gone. So there's a lot of pressure on the Lions. So let's see how they can do. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll, 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 we will see here very, very shortly. And I cannot wait for it. All right. That's uh, four downs, unless you got anything else. Nope. 
Top for me. Right. And a big week for the NFL. We'll uh, we'll cover yeah, we'll cover the NFL, NFL in review probably on fourth down going forward. Yeah, I would say. we could do that. Yep. All right, sprint time. Will little schools like Mac schools cease to exist in college football in the next three years? Not in the next three years. I, I honestly, I mean, I've gone over it. I need to go over it again now that a lot of realignments happened in the last really last six weeks. I, I think I probably. We'll, we'll go to like I think at one point I was thinking like 48 teams in quote division one um, and the rest going to kind of a new one double a and then FCS I think what'll happen is you're gonna have like basically the non power five so take the big 10 SEC pack or no big 12 and the ACC and those are going to be your four big conferences that's going to make up you know call it 18 team conferences a piece so that's 72 teams. And I think you take the other 60 or so teams that are in currently, they blend in with FCS. I think the biggest the biggest opportunity for failure for those programs is they're going to lose the revenue of playing the big boys because people are just not going to want to watch uh, the 18-team ACC, SEC, Big 10, Big 12 beat up on MAC teams and Mountain West teams and Division two teams, they're just not, or FCS teams, they're just not going to want to see that anymore. So that's probably what could hurt it is from a revenue standpoint. So unless there's some sort of a revenue share like they do out of the March Madness, yeah. um, you know, they're going to have to figure that out if they want to keep the little schools afloat. Yeah, agreed. All right, uh, second one. Who's your uh, preseason Super Bowl matchup pick? Oh, man, I haven't even looked at it that closely. Um, you know, it's hard to go against the Chiefs just because they've been there, what, three out of the last four? Um, do the Bengals get back? Do the Bills get off the snide? And do they get there? I think clearly those are your three best teams in the AFC. Um, you know, not that somebody can't kind of come from nowhere. The NFC is a little harder. Like, yeah, it's weird. Uh, Eagles are going to be good again, obviously. 49ers are probably going to be good if Purdy's back healthy. I think the NFC is pretty wide open, um, but I'm going to go, just for the sake of setting it, I'm going to go with a little 49ers-Bengals. All right. Part three. They've played twice in the Super Bowl before. so I'm I'm going Bengals-Eagles. Could see that. All right. Third one right here. Uh, Would you rather, if you were given the choice, if you say you're going to Blyfield Country Club back in the day, would you rather walk or ride 18 holes? Walk. I, would, I like walk walking, and push. Too. Walk and carry at my age is probably a little bit much. I, I walk like and push. Yeah. I do not mind walking. Like, you know, when we had to walk, which is the most ridiculous thing ever during COVID, why? I don't know. You're outside anyway, but like we walked the ravines. That was a bitch. Yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> that was really hard. But look, you have time to kind of decompress between shots. I mean, makes things like music and having all your snacks and everything more handy, a little tougher, but yeah. If I got to choose, I'd say the right course, I'd walk. Yeah, same. Uh, last question. Best, t- we, we talked about fries last week. We're c- continuing on this 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 week. Best fry type, the waffle fry, the steak fry, oh. the crinkly fry, the curly fry, the smiley fry. What do you? What's your favorite? Um, a good, honestly, like Arby's, their seasoned curly fries for me. Yeah, I'd go that way. All right, I like it. I'm going steak fry. 
All right, that's 138 of these bad boys. Uh, let us know what you want to hear. Uh, if you have any questions for next week or any other week, please let us know. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and uh, thank you so much. Couldn't do this without you guys. Yeah, shout out to Mitch for continuing to oh, do, yeah. do my your boy homework Mitch. Always give questions. Ernie and Sandy, hopefully you, you gave it a listen. Maybe your grandson, who's the big Spartan fan. You know, we know Chris, Riley, uh, Kyle, Kyle. You know, they're all big listeners all the time. So we appreciate you guys. You know, keep those questions coming. And Chris, yes, Ryan is working on an analysis of how the AP preseason polls compared to the final poll or like the last 10 years. And we'll probably spit that out in one of these pods here coming up too. So in the meantime, as George Carlin once quipped, maybe in honor of offensive or defensive coordinators, refs or announcers, some people have no idea what they're doing and a lot of them are really good at it. <laughs>